got an intro. Burns. I don't know. I thought my fire one was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll be fine. Is that marshmallows I smell? <laughs> okay, this is getting silly. Let's just talk about Dallas. So, 110 chapters into the book, we finally <laughs> start off where season two began, right? Because that, that's where... The 110 HBO chapters. 110 oh, chapters. You yeah. I meant pages. Same thing. <laughs> Little difference. May as well be. I know. I don't know, Micah. You tell me. Is that where this season picks up? Because I have not seen season two uh, recently. Oh, I thought you were yeah, going to say yeah. ever. Ever. Yeah, Somehow when we were doing all those episodes at the beginning of this podcast, uh, I wasn't watching. I was somehow commenting on every scene, but... Just yes, this it. was the big trailer moment, the burning of the gods on the beach with the, you know, um, yeah. you know, the, the night is dark and full of terrors. Yeah, yeah I'm going to sound big really ignorant line. or stupid or just dumb here, but I did not realize that there were gods burning in the, the, oh, in in the, the show. In the show. Oh. I just thought it was a bit, there was a big fire. There was a ritual. Cause in the book, in this chapter, we're speaking of Davos Seaworth's first chapter in a clash of kings. Is it the second? Um, it is said that, uh, that is, no, well, the prologue shows him. Oh, right. But right. The prologue. This yeah. is his first point of view. Right. Um, it's said that the gods were actually the, the, formerly the masts of ships or they, they were in the, they were in the front of ships and then they were adorned somewhere in, in Dragonstone. They, they were placed. Is it in the sept somewhere? And they were painted over at the years to make them more appealing to the common man, et cetera, et cetera. Now they're in the, the this fire on the beach, big bonfire. Um, but I, I didn't get any of that from, from the show. And I'm sure that artisans and craftsmen, you know, made the gods and put them in the flames. But I just think reading this, this, this book, you get a lot more of the, you know, what it means, especially to Davos, who's by no means the most religious man in all of Westeros. Mm-hmm. Um, but who essentially is, gutted about about this happening um as are his sons whom we meet yeah yeah he's got seven of them which in the show i think he only has one right yeah they probably seven all reach sons. the they probably all meet the same end um as the one son but yeah this is the opening scene i from what i remember maybe i'm not remembering correctly with um you know season two opens with maester Cresson running down the beach not in a bikini or anything like that. <laughs> Baywatch Bay slow motion, yeah. <laughs> He's running towards this this bonfire, as you put it, Eric. Um, mm-hmm. And so a little bit of liberty was obviously taken with this particular scene. And Maester Cresson, clearly He's still in, alive in in the book, he is already dead, but. In the the HBO show, he's very much alive during this, and he bears witness to this. And it, it's interesting because Davos points out while this is all happening that if Maester Crescent was alive, he probably would never have allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So nice I thought bit that of that, continuity there. Yeah, exactly. And it's so, it's so interesting the burning of the gods. I just think it was a fantastic thing to start the show with, the season with, the image of it. Even if, like Eric, if you hadn't read the books, I mean, I understand why you wouldn't necessarily recognize them as gods because how how could you know? You know, I don't but- think it's iterate. I mean, look, there are little things because because the the show has to appeal to like a ton of people, but I don't think it's that uh, well known. Even that there are seven gods and that yeah. everybody in the realm or in the north, you know, that they, they there are old gods and new gods. The new gods are the seven, but Stannis is not part of those anymore. Yeah, the new gods are the seven. 
Um, yeah. And then the newest god is Azor Ahai. <laughs> oh no, that's the guy I, come again. It's Hala. <laughs> Ralor. Yeah, that's cool. Hala. Hala, everybody. Hey, Stan, it's Hala. Um, Hala. Um, so we're going, we're getting really annoying. Really quickly. I, I know. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you're, you, no, you're right, Selena. And, and this is like a transformation scene. This is a ritual as much as it is a send off or farewell tea party for the, 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 the <laughs> yes, seven. Absolutely. Um, be, because Stannis is presumably transformed. Uh, during this ceremony, and it, it's it's very interesting. This chapter is a good length, um, and there there's plenty of stuff that Davos mm-hmm. goes and does on his own. But the chapter is kind of bookended by Davos watching Stannis during this, uh, if you could call it a ceremony, and it ends with you know him actually talking to Stannis about this ceremony and what has happened. Yeah, well, in the ceremony, they of course they uh, Melisandre they make this sword. Lightbringer, this burning sword, and there's some really, really interesting stuff throughout the chapter that comes out about it. Like it's supposed yeah. to be this big magical object of legend that makes Stannis Azor Ahai, or as Lord of the Rings would say, Azor Ahai, <laughs> <laughs> or as high as we Ash say high, on this show. Yes, yeah, um, but, yeah. but but yeah, but then we have some really, really interesting comments made later on. Did you have a, almost- a comment? Sword in the stone s right? It's it's mm-hmm. King Arthur like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. He would go and be able to pull Excalibur almost out of this this burning figure. Yeah, but You're even right. later on in the chapter, Salar San was he just says that's a burnt sword, dude. Yeah, it's not a burning sword. It's <laughs> what's, a burnt what's up with sword. You? Yeah, I love that. I I absolutely love that because it just says so much. And you know, if you want to compare it to to uh, the sword in the stone, what Saladozan is basically saying is Stan is you know pulled the sword out of cardboard. You know, this is not <laughs> the that big... was out of foam. That right? was a foam stump of a sword. You got exactly. that at a children's play. Exactly. Like this is not the big epic uh, godly moment that you thought it was. It was just a. A spectacle is what he's saying. And he's also saying, you you better, you know, thank your gods that it's just a burnt sword and not actually. Right, right, right. Because, right. Oh, and I have this as my own, so don't don't say it. <laughs> no, I won't say it. But if the real A-Lore, a, a A-Sgard were coming, it would be you fire on, on Earth. The, the real warrior were coming back, reincarnate mm-hmm. into Stannis as Melisandre, believe, I believe, intends mm-hmm. uh, with this situation. But there were green flames. Let's not forget. That's still pretty cool. For a spectacle, she pulled out like all the stops. And you're right. I mean, and absolutely. And that's the thing about Melisandre. And, and I'm wondering what you guys think about this too, because I mean, she, and we obviously we have plenty of time to discuss this in future chapters, but she I mean, crazy. she has, she's she crazy, but she has power. I mean, undoubtedly, this woman has some kind of magic, but the question is just whether her magic makes her... Uh, you know, and and I think you know in season three we sort of get this a lot in the chapter when she comes to collect Gendry from the uh, the Brotherhood. She has yeah. magic and she has a connection and she has more power than certain other people, and so does Thoros of Mir. But does that make their god real? Is the big question. Yeah, I guess it's debatable. Mm, it is. Um, it's meant to be. I think. So we were joking about this before we started recording, and I don't know, Selena, if you want to take the lead with it, I'm fine with that foreshadowing during the ceremony i don't know if this was the foreshadowing you were talking about but i definitely picked up on it i hope so 
is I hope it? We're talking about the same thing. I know, oh, me God. too. It's did, gonna did, be really. Selena and Micah both picked the like same. We're playing poker here. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, whose hand is better? Who? I know. Who indeed? Or will they both I'll, end I'll, up? I'll with... read it and I'll okay. see how Selena reacts okay. to it. The mother seemed almost to shudder as the flames came licking up her face. A long mm-hmm. sword had been thrust through her heart, and its leather grip was alive with flame. The father was on the bottom, oh! the first to fall. Yes. Oh my god, I'm sitting here like shaking my feet like <laughs> Oh, I don't know why that's like my excitement thing, but yes. Guys, yes. I did not pick up on that. Oh Look at that. Oh my god, isn't that brilliant though? The father was on the bottom the first to fall. I mm. mean, there's Dear old Ned. Def- definitely something going on here. And you know, I mean, obviously, yes, and I really want to talk about this. Um, because, I mean, I've, t- I've said in the podcast before, I used to think that the series would sort of end up having seven characters that represented the seven gods left Mm. as sort of the surrounding the throne somehow but maybe like what is and and maybe we're just reading too much into it but maybe there will be seven big deaths throughout the series that sort of represent these seven gods like if the first was ned the father the first to fall and then you know as as micah you pointed out the mother would be catelyn the warrior would be rob Mm. that leaves what the crone the maiden the stranger uh, and the smith. I'm looking this up right now. The stranger, the crone, smith. the maiden, the stranger, and the smith. See, they they're never introduced yet, as of yet. I don't recall well, in right. the books. But Even but then think the of smith, what yeah. character that could be. Well, I said the smith. I meant the stranger. It said Davos watched the hand of the stranger writhe and curl as the fingers blackened and fell away one by one. Yes, fingers. Who have we charcoal. seen grow lose hands and fingers? There's yeah, several there's characters. characters that fit this. Davos yes. being one of them. Mm-hmm. Do you think Davos is like the harbinger of death? Um, <laughs> uh, Maybe. That'd be a pretty cool role for him if he represents the stranger. But actually, you know, I was thinking about like looking at, and this is, again, I just want to say people that are scared of spoilers, this is not spoilers. We're going strictly by this, this show now when we're discussing this. But I was thinking about who the other sort of gods could represent, if they're even representing anything. And the maiden, I mean, my immediate thought was Sansa for that one. Uh, the Stranger. Or, you know, it could be, I guess, Brienne too. But um, The Stranger could be like maybe Arya or Tyrion. Like I'm a bit unsure about that one. But then maybe The Smith. I mean, Gendry is the obvious one there. No, it's I wonder. I wonder, and what this is based crumb? on and, if, mm. representing wisdom. And it, it's Hodor. It, it is a female <laughs> It should probably still be a female, I think. Lady uh, Olena. Lady Olena. Uh, Cersei? Carries, How about Cersei? Oh, yeah, maybe she carries a lantern and is prayed to for guidance, according to oh. uh, Wiki of, of Ice and Fire. Interesting. Hmm. Carries a lantern. Daenerys. I think you know what? No, what I think it's uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Osha. <laughs> okay. uh, to, to be honest, I think it's Asha. Um, so Asha, you don't think Daenerys fits any of this? Who would she? No, be? the mother. The maiden. I don't know. Maybe no. the mother. No, I don't put I don't put Danny in this at all. If if our if if my original theory about the seven surrounding the the thing uh, uh, at the end, then she could be the mother. Yeah, that's not bad. But let's um get back to the actual chapter. Okay, I mean, sorry. I think I think that you mentioned the strangers mentioned the father and the mother are mentioned and the Smith. Davos uh, later tells either Stannis or he tells uh, the man he talks to the the happy pirate um that he prays to the smith before the launch of each of his ships wasn't it mm-hmm. um so so some of the seven are mentioned but it was never explicitly stated so far 
we are essentially seeing the death of these gods or the, the figureheads of these gods on Dragonstone before we actually know who the gods are. And it's a really interesting effect because as they're will with literally withering away, we want to know more about them, you know, who they were, what yeah. they were and all that. And, you know, Selena brought up the, the great point that with, as it relates, um, we know that mm-hmm. there are multiple characters that have problems with their hands, right? Yes. We, we talked about Davos, who's the obvious choice being that this is his point of view, but there's also Jamie uh, mm-hmm. later on in this, in this <laughs> book. Is Theon too? Or actually not this book, the next book, right? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, next book. Season three. Uh, and then, of course, Jon Snow, who burns his hand. <gasps> yes. Mm, could be Snow. Well, he hasn't complained about his hand recently, has he? He does in the just... books, like, all the time. Oh, really? But he doesn't in the show. <laughs> My hand hurts. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, injured hand. I think injured hands, though, I, it's interesting that George should have that recurring theme. Obviously, it, 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 there are some general guesses that, that it could mean, you know, that you're just not as able, that, you know, your hands are your, are your, are your bread, basically, your bread and butter. Um, but I was thinking back to Star Wars where everybody loses an arm. I know. Where Luke, like a, Luke loses an arm, Darth Vader loses an arm, yeah. the Emperor, I think, lo- no, maybe, maybe but, not lose an arm. I mean, yeah. I just I just love the idea that there's I mean even though the books sort of we talked about this last last uh, episode how the books sort of make a point that there's no nothing you know prophecies can be overturned and nothing is set in stone I like the idea that there's some kind of over underlying meaning you know some kind of underlying symbolism with with this like something like this would be really cool I think right yeah no I I think we we pick up on a lot of different things like the last episode. We were talking about old Nan stories and how they're not just thrown in there to be there as as just passing context. You know, they're they're there to learn from and to hopefully provide a little bit of insight into things to come or reference things that you know maybe in the future we'll be able to uh, discuss a little bit more deeply. But one question that I had from this chapter was, what does it mean? To you guys, that Stannis's cloak burns. His cloak burns. What do you mean? So he's pulling the sword out, and his cloak catches on fire. And <laughs> Serves him right. <laughs> well, to me, if he's supposed to be this this destined individual, you know, the, this this person reborn, right, that is going to save the Seven Kingdoms from the winter that is coming, mm-hmm. he should be doing this pretty seamlessly, shouldn't he? I mean, this shouldn't this shouldn't have like, it's it's not like this is a this is a a test run where you know you get you get the the chance to uh, pull pull the sword out of the uh, the figure a couple times and maybe on the third try if you get it right and you know I just to me it just seemed like <laughs> best of if, three. If Stannis was the true individual that he is believed to be by Melisandre, then this would have been. Yeah, this this would have been sort of this great spectacle, and it really wasn't. It was kind of a you know a fireworks show gone bad. No, I, I think it went fine, dude. I, I think <laughs> Eric was uh, there. He knows. I, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It was. I was. I had popcorn. It was fine. <laughs> I had some kettle corn, and it it's put a little salt on it. It was great. So you don't think it's symbolic that his cloak burns? Oh, no, absolutely. I don't think. I, I think no, so. no, no. I think it's fine that it burns. He didn't get burned though. He didn't recoil, did he? Am I missing the point where he says, "Oh fuck, I burned myself"? Um, <laughs> no, no, because no, you're not. no, then it's then it's fine if you catch fire. So what? He didn't get injured by the fire. No, that I makes it that, cooler. I think that uh, Micah makes a really good point uh, that 
they well, you both you both know what happened no 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 what? it's 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 just in terms of i think that the 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 whole thing of melisandre and stan is both trying to make this a spectacle when really you know because we see this from davos's perspective there's so much doubt about it there's so much well yeah he does have a burning sword but eh, is it really more burnt than not and even you know at the end of the chapter we've got a uh, stannis himself saying very unlike the show by the way saying you know i know little and care less of gods but the rest red priestess has power like he's not yeah. interested in being this He's just interested in the power. Right. No, it is it is interesting insight. And there is this tremendous hesitation, not only from Davos, but Davos warns Stannis from, from everybody else as well, that he's embracing this strange, mm-hmm. you know, red god. I, I think it's important that – I mean, to your point, Micah, I think it's extremely important that Stannis was – Stannis loses his cloak to fire. The sword burns, right? Mm-hmm. So in in my mind – Perhaps it's symbolic of what happens at Blackwater, right? Everything around him is destroyed, but yet Stannis the man is left standing. That's an interesting comparison. For me, it was all about the fact that he pulled the sword out and didn't burn himself. I thought that meant he was invulnerable. That I thought that very, meant that the ceremony true. went fine. Because you can't just pull a, a metal thing out of out of the, the hottest depths. Was he wearing gloves, though? He was wearing one, like one glove, but I mean, I can put oven mitts on and I'm still getting burned <laughs> taking cookies out of the oven. You know, like it's, I don't, it must have been a good glove, what but still he didn't, he didn't get burned. Um, oatmeal raisin, I think. But you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's again, it's again with the, that what's so cool about this whole situation is that I think we're left when you were just reading the book, I think you're left to be in doubt. Could he be, you know, is Melisandre right? Is she, is she actually, is, is this actually the sword? Or is Salada, Salador right? Like, we don't know. Yeah, like, Salador doesn't even come till later is the thing. We do get quite a bit of this chapter focused on the fact that Melisandre really wants to revive this Azor, Azor Ahai um, guy. Azor and, Ahai! And, Azor Ahai! We're and get sum- so many emails. <laughs> and I summon him. It's, uh, I know. She wants to summon him into the spirit AA, of Stannis. just call him AA. The that, thing that of it is, is that ass. she talked about AA being in the shadows or something, and I thought it was closer to in description to the the child that they end up having um, than it was for Stannis. <laughs> the child that they end up having. What else I are you like going to call phrase. it? I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's what funny. it seemed like. Could anybody but AA, Mister All Annan, um, could anybody but AA give birth to that kind of a, a creature as Azzy? Well, yeah, because that's the thing. I think I think that Melisandre has black magic. That's my whole theory about her. She has black she's a magic. Black magic woman. She's a yeah. She's like you know the woman dancing in the tent. Uh, Daenerys. Uh, what's her face? Um, the woman I so vehemently defended. Yeah, there you Mary. go. Mary. Mary. Mazdor. Mary. Uh, yeah. Not the same religion necessarily, but the same techniques. Uh, and I think that that's how she does all this stuff. But she's making it look like... But then, it, you know, it's made very clear in the show that she does believe in what she's selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think she's trying to create Azor Ahai <laughs> as opposed to finding him. I think that's the whole point. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I don't I don't think that she has found him, at least not yet. I, I think right. that, to your point, she is trying to create him mm. in Stannis. And yeah. she's going through all of these rituals and, and other practices that she maybe she learned about at one point. Uh and and she's doing that with Stannis to make him into something that maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And, and yeah, you know, that's the debate he certainly that goes doesn't on. have any interest in being. 
Which is yeah. the good point. And this is going back to the, you know, again, to the end of the chapter when, when he has that conversation with Davos. And I just, I like these two. This chapter really is, uh, asserted my liking for those two people. Um, you know, the bromance, as we called it on the show between Stannis and Davos, it's definitely Aww. there in the, in, in the books because Stannis essentially has all these lords and he says this to, to Davos. He has these lords who read the letter that is, you know, eventually read to Davos about his claim to the throne, about Stannis's claim. And he still consults Davos, even though all these other lords, he knows that they're either just being flattering or that they're too stupid to really give adequate input or they're, they're telling him what he wants to hear. All these other reasons, he summons Davos. And, and when Davos can't read the letter himself, he has it read to him. Uh, to get his opinion, which mm-hmm. Davos gives, and he seeks his counsel. Just the idea that Stannis seeks Davos's counsel when really he—not that he shouldn't—but it just doesn't—it just doesn't make sense. St- like Stannis is the only one to keeping Davos alive. All the other people that Davos is surrounded by in this chapter don't like him. They don't want to talk to him. They hush when they when they quiet down their voices or whatever they're talking about. They stop when he walks up to them. You know, nobody likes Davos. He's the Onion Knight. He's not a real knight. He's he's just Stannis's old buddy from that one time in that one place at that one thing when they had to survive. Yeah, you're right. And it's it's such a. I mean, I loved I love Davos, and I have to admit that. I mean, um, Liam Cunningham really brought him to life for me. It's one of those characters. You know, whenever you get a new character and it's sort of a nondescript middle aged male, and yeah. you go, "All right, then." That's fine. But then, you know, you, he, he's been brought to life in such a fantastic way on the show that now that I'm reading this, it's one of the characters I have new appreciation for. And he, ca- it's such an interesting because he is so damn loyal to Stannis to a fault. <laughs> he reminds me so much of Ned Stark, like so much. And we've talked really? about this before again. Yeah. Like there's an app, there's a stubborn, I think I, I like Davos actually more than Ned, I have to admit. Um, and I think he's more reasonable too, but there's such a, a stubborn, blind loyalty. It's not blind. He does question Stannis, but he will follow him no matter what. And yeah. the whole thing of, oh, I love him. He cut off my fingers and then he made me a knight. Yeah, like, that's a I, little I, weird. I, yeah. Yeah, I know, he cut off that? my fingers, but, but, but really like interior monologue wise, he cut off my fingers, but didn't I deserve it? Didn't I, didn't I really, you know, flout the law well, for like yeah. the longest he time? He's a small price to pay for what he has gained as a result mm-hmm. of losing it. Right. And he still has his fingers, at least. They're just not really attached. They're in a pouch yeah, around his around his neck. How creepy yeah. is that? That's, that's a little weird also. They're his lucky mm-hmm. fingers. They've brought him luck in, in, in trading. Much so. like the gargoyle outside of the bar he goes into to meet Sean. Uh, how cool is that? He's got a, he's got a, a pet gargoyle. Davos, just standing sentry and outside of the bar. I, I didn't really notice this the the first time that I read Clash of Kings, and maybe it was because I was so influenced by what I saw in the show. But Salador San is actually not as he appears in the show. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I was going to say, I wrote this up for, for Hyperbole recently, um, that George R. R. Martin, he was commenting on the Red Viper casting and he said, he revealed, he said, well, you know, speaking of, of race, uh, representation on Game of Thrones, he said, well, Salador San is black in the show, but he was white in the books. And I just sort of went, what? <laughs> 
that's not the solace or sun that I yeah, imagine. I, I just I I read over and I was like, wow, really? <laughs> I was shocked he, it, by this. It's such a great um, casting job uh, for. I don't remember the actor who plays him, but it's just uh, a very good representation of the character, and he really brings him to life. So it was just uh, it caught me off guard. I guess those are the types of things that tend to happen um, when you translate from book to TV show. Yeah, I mean, I really liked this character in this chapter. Second to Davos, of course, but Salador San really kind of gets my own even for this chapter because he, he's, he's the prince of the Narrow Sea, self-proclaimed prince mm-hmm. of the Narrow Sea. And he has his finger on the pulse of what's happening and basically tells Davos um, all the all the things that are going on with Tyrion and King's Landing. And also currently, you know, he's the one who tells the badass story of the sword of Lightbringer. And I just have to say, like, because I don't want to give my own to Lightbringer, I'm going to give it to <laughs> Salador, who tells this story, which is the coolest backstory ever for a sword. I feel like, didn't we say this before once on the show? It was about ice, maybe. There was a backstory, and I was like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Whatever I said before, I was wrong. Lightbringer has the coolest backstory. Nisa, what Nisa. about the children of the forest? Uh, yeah, they're not. That is, their story's not really, really developed. About them yet. Yeah, yeah so. was, the jury's still out on that. Maybe the maybe the children can usurp uh, Lightbringer in my mind, the but children, Lightbringer's back. Maybe yes. they can nibble at the ankles of whoever. Takes well, the to iron to get the real light, light, you know, Lightbringer, you have to go through the children in the forest, and then you have to go into a cave, and then you have to roll out of the way of a rock, and then it's right there in a chest. I don't know what that reference Much is. Much like okay, Legend then. of Zelda. Yes, there you go. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But um, in yeah. this particular story, though, I thought you could take certain things from it, just like you could take certain things from our discussion earlier when we were talking about the old gods being burned. Because mm-hmm. there's one point where don't they talk about him taking a sword and shoving it through the heart of a lion? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then so it's shattered. Yes. And then he he kills his wife as well, right? He's, he stabs Yeah, essentially it's like love that's so pure or the courage of this woman to bear her open breast to her husband who is going to stab her with it. Uh, that, girl you know, power. What, after being forged, this is girl power. After is being it? forged for a hundred days, was it? Um, or folded a hundred times? It was a hundred days, I think it was. Then plunged into his wife, you know, his, his, her life force, her soul, everything, even her bold courage, says Salador San, were immortalized and essentially pulled into this sword. So the real light bringer is, a hell of a woman, um, mm-hmm. and and just the the justice of it all. I was like, oh my god, this is it's just so poetic, and it really just caught me off guard and enthralled me reading this. Well, I'm glad that it did that for you. <laughs> what did it do for you, Micah? I, I just like the the demeanor of Salvador San in this particular <laughs> scene. I mean, he's you're imagining him just like kicked back, yes, and he's drinking. He may be a little bit drunk. And he's just spouting off these stories. And he even mentions the fact that there are these people who pray to this red god where he comes from, back in Lys, right? Yeah. And so he says, yeah, they talk about the same shit over there that your king was talking about over here. And let me tell you what they're doing and what you're doing. Now, 
I don't know if it matches up exactly. And basically, he was just saying that maybe this is a little bit too strong. Maybe saying religion is is not meaningful is is wrong. But I I think he was kind of just I don't know. Like he's not he's not very he's not believing. He's not buying into it. Is what no. I'm trying to say. No, he he says to Davos, they burn shit over there all the time. He's like, this is this is nothing special. This is nothing new. You should see what they do where I come from. Um, and Davos is still shaken though because he burned the red. You know, they burned the seven. Um, but really, it's apparently you know it just further questions Melisandre's real the extent of her power, um, and the extent of her control or her relationship with the Red God. Um, because apparently, even though there were green flames around this. Uh, hot sword as Stannis pulled it out. Solidor San could give two shits. He just does not. He just does, he's not impressed. Yeah, I love him. Solidor San is not impressed. To. Yeah, I mean he just doesn't. It really cast doubt on the whole thing in a really clever way because you get this great character who, as Micah said, we just imagine to be spread out. Um, you know, in a bar somewhere, and it's just it's 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 good stuff. So he does. Yeah. Uh, he he does get my own. And uh, it's because of the story he tells of Lightbringer. I like that. So that's 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 definitely my own for the episode. And not only that, I mean, he's he's given war updates. He's providing all the info to Davos to take back to Stannis. And one of my favorite moments of this chapter is when Solidor is talking to him about Renly, and Davos goes, "His bride and bride was in italics." <laughs> oh. I don't know if he meant it that way. I think he just yeah. meant she's bringing a woman. But yeah, I know what you mean. News to uh. Davos that uh, Renly has gotten a wife and uh-huh. is left High Garden. Now it's not stated who that wife is, so we don't necessarily know at this point. Uh, but uh, it seems like Stannis has a lot of work to do before him uh, if he's going to want to gain the trust of the rest of the realm because Renly has become extremely popular. The fan favorite, if you will. <laughs> so what, what guys, what do you think uh, are your going to be your owns for this uh, excellent chapter with Davos? It's kind of a long quote, but uh, it has a payoff at the end. Um, All right. By the time the song was done, only Charwood remained of the gods and the king's patience had run its course. He took the queen by the elbow and escorted her back to Dragonstone, leaving Lightbringer where it stood. The Red Woman remained a moment to watch as Devon knelt with Byron Faring and rolled up the burnt and blackened sword in the king's leather cloak. The Red Sword of Heroes looks a proper mess, thought Davos. <laughs> I just thought that that's him generally owning the situation at hand. and He really doesn't have much belief in what's taking place before him. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Very true. All right. Well, mine is a quote from Salador San, and I have to pick this one because I did promise early on the show. Um, Be glad that it is just a burnt sword that his grace pulled from that fire. Too much light can hurt the eyes, my friend, and fire burns. <laughs> oh, burn! Awesome. It's so true. <laughs> I Wise love words that. From Salador. Too, too much light. This is the Lord of Light yes. we're dealing with. Too much light hurts the eyes. It hurt the eyes. And it's just like one of those. Burns. Ah, yes. It's and it's kind of so... like, oh, guys, remember? Fire is bad. And then you're like, oh, no, but the dragons are coming. But then they'll melt the whites, so it'll be okay. So you're like, what So I gnoming. I will give a shout out. Uh, we made a policy for listeners who aren't aware to not give our owns, at least I did, to the person who the <laughs> point of Eric. view is. That's just me. Um, so that's why I did not give my own to Davos. I gave it to Solidor instead. But there was a zing um, between Davos and um, Stannis 
later on in the in when they're talking about the letter um and 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 Davos is complaining about his burning of the seven and 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 Stannis says to Davos, "Oh, I didn't know you were so devout." And uh Davos says, "I was about to ask the same thing of you because you're putting the red god in your letter." Um so that was kind of a cool exchange and it brought home the point of religion and how it's affecting the people who are going to ally themselves with Stannis. So we'll give that an honorable mention. And how about uh, Sir Jamie as well, despite the fact of what people yes. think of yep. the Kingslayer. Stannis Sir Kingslayer. wants to call him by his mm-hmm. proper title. There's definitely, definitely um, values, I think, too. You know, I've, it's it's easy to judge Stannis uh, when reading the books because he's so, so he's such, he's such a hard ass, basically. <laughs> uh, he has <laughs> such a hard edge to him. Um yeah. But he does have definite he's a very, very, very interesting, rich character who has a really interesting, rigid sense of honor. Yeah, it and, and one of the only moments I feel like that we really get that softness to the edge was in this chapter when he's talking about when he stopped believing in the gods was the day that mm. his parents died. Absolutely. Right. You don't really see that side of, of Stannis very much. I mean, maybe in the show you get him humanized a little bit more, uh, but in the books, I don't necessarily think that that's much the case. And then uh, I thought the the very end of the chapter was cool too, when they were talking about the the hawk story. And I mean, they are sending a hundred and seventeen ravens, <laughs> which is cool. And 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 there was a there was a moment in the show that I that I missed from seeing this this chapter where. Um, I believe it's a, a line in the in the TV show from Stannis, uh, where he says, "You know, Eddard Stark's biggest mistake was only telling me about Cersei and Jaime and all that the incest. I'm not going to make that same mistake. Every one of these letters is telling people what we think. Um, so I, I just thought that was a badass way of spreading the word through 117. It says in the book Ravens. Um, and furthermore, people are going to be spreading the word on hand on foot." Um, even further for Stannis's claim. So that was kind of Stannis is owning the outdated, you know, ancient rituals of spreading the word. <laughs> yes. Well, we did get a couple of owns sent in via Twitter. Ash T had uh, this to say about Davos. Davos owns Stannis in pointing out that people were less likely to declare for him because of Stannis following. Roller, or mm-hmm. any other pronunciation of that that you care to Roller. Uh <laughs> Stannis needs to know his Rola. audience, she goes on to say, and she's very much correct in that. I think, Eric, you were just touching on that a little bit about how he's sending out ravens, but then he's also sending out people, and Davos points out to him, hey, look, you need to make sure that you have the right people saying this. Because if it's just me, my poor little onion eyed ass, uh, I don't think people are going to give me much uh, much attention. Well, what he says to him is that, okay, I have at least 100 knights that would rather read things out loud than fight for me anyway. <laughs> it shows such mastery and knowledge of one's own warriors, but also you feel bad for Stannis because he's like, really? You have 100 weak knights who don't even want to fight? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's kind of a shame. Oh my god, guys, I just came up with the perfect, like bromance song for Stannis and 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 uh, oh, Davos God, is right is here it? live it it goes I'm a lonely little Baratheon in an onion patch <laughs> that's it 
That's how it goes. There's no goes. second verse, no, no refrain. I, I just came up with it on the spot. Come on. <laughs> okay. Kind of like your uh, hypeable bicycle hypeable. thing. Oh my God, I'm on a roll. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely you're feeling very musical. Uh-huh. Um, but Davos was right also to point out that uh, he just needed people to read the letters out loud. That some people, just like Davos, might not be able to read and are more likely to respond if somebody goes into their town and is a uh, messenger. On foot. Well, and and to that point, uh, BG McLovin emailed in (laughs) an own for Davos as well. And he said every single word he says or thinks, he's the only lowborn main point of view we've had so far. And his humility makes for such an interesting contrast. We had Will in the Game of Thrones prologue, but he was mostly just terrified. (laughs) That's, That's a good point. A good callback. Wow. Yeah. And and it's an excellent point um uh, that up until now we've only had uh his per- well this is the first point of view that we get from him but uh you know knowing that he is around for at least a little bit while longer because oh, you God. can never be sure in Game of Thrones he is the only low boy low born point of view that we have you unless know, I'm missing that's somebody. That's such a good point. So far in the series, yeah. I'm He's like left. thinking really hard right now, but yeah. McLovin has stunned the panel here. <laughs> I know. It's the radio silence. Oh my gosh. Because we don't, we don't actually have a Gendry chapter, contrary to popular belief. Spoiler alert. Mm. Um, you know, we're going to hang up and then five minutes later. No. Oh, yes. I was going to say Brienne, but she's highborn. No, you know what? Yeah, we're going to hang up and then five minutes after we're going to think of someone. But right now, no. I think you're right. <laughs> well, we for Selena and I, we're not allowed to think ahead. No, uh, no, no, no. We're only talking about the chapters that we've read. I feel like sometimes that's easy to forget whenever we, we get comments and they're like, you should have mentioned blah, blah, blah. And we're like, but we can't. <laughs> yeah, that that black covered text on winteriscoming.net. We are not yes. allowed to go anywhere near that. No, I stay away well, from the black text. Eric isn't. The rest of us are. Well, no, Zach isn't allowed either. So just me and Mike are. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Well, guys, we've been um, giving you some owns, and uh, we discussed some other moments that owned, separate from our owns, and then we sourced owns, uh, including via There's email from BG McLovin. This is what we do. It is Game of Owns, and if you would like to participate every week, we source owns for all of the chapters that we're doing, and we read them on every episode of the show, in which there is a chapter episode. So... Let us remind you of the three ways in which you can submit owns. Number the one. Three ways. Oh, sorry. Three ways. There are not one, two, but three ways. Uh, gone German. Number one. There are three <laughs> ways. Three ways to submit your owns. I said I do it a little differently on every episode. Uh, you can go to the Twitter. At the Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. You can tweet us uh, at Game of Owns. at sounds like a commercial for like laundry powders <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you put it in the laundry That's and you do key. the double load when it gets her laundry powder from germany <laughs> from germany now now we know where <laughs> this a is short from car right away <laughs> i'll tell you what our laundry commercials have snuggle or snuggle i think it is the bear distant cousin like of winter boo the bear yeah different distant cousin i like him a lot uh so hey everybody this is snuggle and remember to buy snuggle dryer sheets and also on Facebook, you can write owns on the wall. <laughs> I feel like uh, we need an eh, eh, eh sound effect right now. What? What is like that? Chucky is coming. Okay. Go oh on. no. Well, remember to write your owns on the wall. Uh, Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Game of Owns, and then and then buy snuggle dryer sheets. And also, um, back to Eric here, and uh, you can of course email us at any time. Contact 
at gameofowns.com is our email address. BJ McLovin knows it, and you can too. Found and listen, guys, listen, guys, I am putting my foot down because the next episode the next of our podcast, the next chapter that we're doing on this show is Theon. And Cue there's a lot, of, a lot of things <laughs> to be owned in this chapter. So I am expecting... Theon particularly. Is it's my own. challenge. Theon in particular, this is my challenge. I want to see a variety of owns out there for this chapter. I know you all can do it. I know you've been reading along with us. Um, so please do not disappoint because it is the Theon's first chapter, everybody. Let's just, this is round of applause. He's, he's stepping up in this world. He's getting, he got promoted <laughs> his own chapters Look to at a this. point of view chapter. This is, I'm so excited. The threat this week, crown. the threat this week is that if, if you don't send your owns for Theon, Eric's just going to sit for a whole episode and go through <laughs> the entire chapter. He's going to read <laughs> owns nonstop, and that's going to be Friday's episode. So yes. please, please send us your owns. Yeah. Yes. Apparently, the uh, the audiobook chapter was an hour long. So just yes. imagine. <laughs> it was an hour long. It's an, an hour, hour of owns. pleasure for Eric. Yes, it was. It's, 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 it's as good as any of the episodes of the TV series, oh, wow. and it's equally as long. <laughs> So uh, that is the threat uh, for for this week. And speaking of threats, those are somehow tied into iTunes and you going over there and giving us a nice five-star rate and review. Similar to Horror Kongle, who gives us the title, Loving Me Some Game of Owns. And he or she says, I found your podcast after listening to other hypable podcasts and a Potter podcast. Mm. I have been catching up on your podcast for over a week now, and I totally love it. I'm enjoying all the insight, jokes, and witty banter. I also enjoy the commentary episodes, since that is what I love to listen to when I get the Blu-rays as well. Uh, Keep up the awesome work. Five stars all the way. Yeah, we should kind of hark back to just, you know, in case there are any new listeners who came into us after season three. Um had aired to do, you know, even though we are going through the books, uh, currently on this show, we have done some other exciting things such as, um, you know, reacting to each of the episodes of the TV show, as well as, um, commentaries on uh, season one of the show. So those are all available in the, uh, extensive podcast feed and our website, gameofowns.com. You can find the old episodes in which we did commentary. We've had some interviews, as we mentioned last week with Christian Narn. There was a Hodor week where we did three actual three-parter episode uh, interviewing him, and we've spoken with Cat Taylor um, and a bunch of other people. Actually, even uh, Brian Brian Cogman. Cogman, yes, yes. We've had a great past year so far, and actually, the the whole run of the show has been great. Um, so, thank you to this gentleman for bringing this up. Um, you or know, woman. on iTunes or woman, we don't know, or gentlewoman, or <laughs> fair maiden. Um, uh- one final review here to leave you with on Hump Day. Uh, it is from Lord of the Trees. So perhaps somebody you'd like to talk to, Eric. <laughs> it's the guy that was sitting up and guarding the tree last episode. Yeah, exactly. He's still there. <laughs> He's owning that tree. It's my tree. Hands down, the best is the, the title of this review. Um, oh, I like this already. Yeah, uh, me too. They start by saying, let me begin by saying that I've never submitted a review for anything in my life until now. Oh, and am now wow. at a loss as to how to describe Game of Owns. As much as the show is amazing at analyzing the books and TV series, it is so much more than just 30 minutes of analysis three times a week. You're right. We never just do 30 minutes. (laughs) So 
Mike is eyeing the timestamp yes. of this episode. Uh, it isn't enough to say that Game of Bones fills the void between seasons of the TV show with their on-season and insightful analysis. It isn't enough that the editing and production values are so high on every episode. Thank you, Zach. Yes. What is really valuable to me is that every episode feels like a sit-down with a bunch of friends. Strange as it is to say, even though I have never met any of the hosts, I still think of them as friends. Each episode is full of as much hilarity, thoughtful discussion, threats as there would be if I sat down with my everyday <laughs> Threats? Friends. What kind of friends do you... <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's a, what are a few me. threats among friends? True. The fact that Goo has so much listener interaction only serves to make this illusion all the more palpable. Aw, it's not an illusion. Aw. Yes, we are an illusion. We're all friends. Mm. Yeah, we, we're not real. We're not real. <laughs> the internet has just created us. Uh, whether it is Eric's fixation on Daggergate, yes. Zach's Zelda references, mm. Selena's secret Selena's Targaryen theories, yes, or Micah's They're threats, mine. I made them up. And uh, I like how they spelt Micah the way George R. R. Martin spells it in the book. Ooh, of course. Cool. Uh, I always feel like I'm amongst friends. That's why I say this is, hands down, the best Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire podcast out there, and is certainly one of the best podcasts, period. So thank you, Lord of the Trees. (laughs) Thank you for this iTunes review. Thank you, my Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my Lord. Your check's in the mail. We know where to find you. You're just in that tree. I think I hear the music, guys. I do too. Ooh, you, never, the... you know, it just it knows when to start playing. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's lulling that, me. You guys actually right haven't now. met the fifth host of Game of Owns, the person who cues the music at the end of the episode. I mean, oh, I we have someone actually standing there with with the, with the yeah with the strings. He's right there. I see him. Yeah. Hi, yeah. string well, guy. Now, now the cat's out of the bag. Thank you for listening. I am Eric Skull. I'm Selena Wilkin. And I'm Mike Tenbo. See you Take guys it away, on drunk Friday. Guy.